the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. It is seminar week, so I'm putting together more content than I typically do, geared towards the world economies. Um, markets are, again, a skosh from all-time highs. We are back above where we were before the coronavirus became the coronavirus in financial media. Interesting. Um, because it's still going on out there, right? Gives you another feather, another T-shirt. I lived through the coronavirus, and all I got is this stupid T-shirt, even though we're far from containing it, and that could be the famous last words, right? But the more of those T-shirts you collect, I went through a big stock market correction. I went through the Great Recession. The, the more things you can get like that, the more comfortable you are with the stock market, and it's less a, a game for billionaires, The sooner you start seeing everything as product, the faster you become good at investing. I'm not going to fact check the president from last night. But man, was it dramatic when Nancy Pelosi ripped up his speech afterwards and they, they didn't shake hands. Oh, the drama. The drama. Save the drama for Lorenzo Lamas. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. McDonald's has unveiled the return of the Shamrock Shake. While at the same time, Wendy announces breakfast is coming soon nationwide. Product. Am I a biggest fan of McDonald's? No. But you see where I'm going at with that. Oil's having its first positive day in six. There's a lot of talk out there that investors don't want anything to do with oil. Just like a lot of people don't want anything to do with cigarette companies. 20-year Treasury is coming in May. The U.S. Treasury is un- announcing or unloading, the way I look at it, a new product, a 20-year bond. Um, they say it's the long, big demand. They call it the millennial, 20 years. I don't quite get that, but go with it. So the government's continuing to raise money. Sometimes they pay it back over 10 years. Sometimes they raise it back over five years. Sometimes they pay it back over, well, 20. Tesla's down 12%. Uh-oh. Stock saw a lot of sellers yesterday at 900. Now it's down below 800 a share. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Is this the beginning? Tesla went from losing a lot of money to making a lot of money. Can they continue pushing it out? It was noted yesterday after the market closed, Tesla said, we will have some problems in deliveries due to Shanghai and the coronavirus. 
Merkshire is spinning off another one of its companies. It's Women's Health, biosimilar drugs and legacy products into a new publicly traded company. The big pharmaceutical companies have really no problem inventing new drugs. And then they have this kind of like they become generic drugs over seven, ten years, depending on the FDA, depending on the orphan status, depending on if they're able to recombine it and reformulate it with another drug. So the drug companies have a great ability to come up with the drugs, but then they get these legacy products. And sometimes they look around each other and they go, let's spin off the unsexy part and uh, give our shareholders a ton of money in a cash transaction. It's kind of like selling the company to itself. It's not quite, but I'm going with that. S&P 500s are posting earnings beats at a higher rate, so we're having a good quarter. 44% of companies in the S&P 500 have reported earnings. 62% have beaten revenue expectations. 72 have beaten net income expectations. Technically, this is a good thing. The downside is... is uh, What is the downside? The downside is that numbers are managed and engineered. Okay, let's say you have an extremely volatile spouse and you're a a salesperson. It's probably a pretty good idea if you're not going to meet your quarter, if they get really angry at you for not making enough money or not hitting your bonuses, it's probably good to start warning them early. And that's kind of what Wall Street does. Warren Buffett once referred to the market as Mr. Market. Mr. Market's moody. So they don't like to be surprised. Because we feel we have the goal of uh, coronavirus contained, airline stocks are doing well. American Airlines, Delta Airlines, United Airlines. Cruise lines are doing well. Royal Caribbean, Norwegian Cruise Line, Carnival. Even though Carnival has the worst headline possible right now, the company said 10 people aboard one of its ships in Japan tested positive for the new coronavirus. 10 people. I've got a friend who's getting ready to go on a cruise. And I laugh at him every single day. Oh, you're going to go on the virus boat. Oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave your cabin if you go on that. Oh, I certainly won't let your kid touch another kid. Bank of America upgraded Ralph Lauren to neutral from cell. You know, I used to really like Ralph Lauren. And as I've gotten older, its brand doesn't mean as much to the next generation as it did to mine. You know, the, the polo guy... You knew that if you bought a Ralph Lauren, it was better quality than average. So they licensed that polo guy. It's like the, there was a company called Playboy Enterprises, which surprisingly was tied towards Playboy Magazine and Hugh Hefner. Or was it that a not a surprise? The thing that they made the most money on was licensing that stupid icon, the White Rabbit with the black background. That basically says, you are a player. You are a playboy. And you know they licensed it to? Casinos. And casinos would put that image and that logo on a slot machine. And men around the world would go, ooh, I can look at pretty women while losing money. So that was a business. Licensing a logo. Same thing with Ralph Lauren. Toll Brothers got upgraded to outperform. That's an interesting one because it's a housing stock. 
Barclays raised its price target on Tesla from 200 to 300. Only problem is it is at 800. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Got a good show planned for you today. Got lots of content. Retirement income and tax planning seminar coming up at the Elks Lodge, February 6, 630-830. It's all about income and retirement, which accounts to use, social security strategies, IRAs, 401ks, measuring your risk. You get the drill. That's Thursday, February 6, 630-830, income and tax planning seminar. You can sign up at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Um, and listen to commercials to hear a little bit more information. Other big stories of note, Disney Plus uh, subscribers hit 26.5 million. You really got to take a long-term view of this one, and you can see the power of it. Right now, you can get Hulu, Disney Plus, ESPN Plus. You can get a whole bundle for about 12 or $13 a month. It's too cheap. Now that they have 26 million subscribers, how many are they going to hold on to? And when do they start raising prices? Because that's when they start making big money on it. I own shares at Disney. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show. Big seminar coming up this Thursday, tomorrow night in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. Sign up today at robblackshow.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Google is a lot of things. It's pretty interesting at times to see what people are thinking. With coronavirus spreading and killing people you would think the number one search on google is should i get a flu shot the number one search on google is not should i get a flu shot more americans have died of the flu this year than all of coronavirus times 10 Mm, times five probably four and a half at this point in time but close with that said the number one search on google is should i buy a tesla should I buy Tesla stock? Not quite as thinking, but there you go. Got to give Americans credit. We like chasing other people's success. One thing that you can try to do is learn from some of the best investors out there. And I'm a big fan of Mario Gabelli. Just from on occasion, when I get his uh, annual reports, his quarterly reports, his letters that he writes to his shareholders. I like reading it. I don't necessarily ever, ever follow what he does, but I do like to read it. Uh, one of the stocks that he owns is Liberty Braves Group, ticker symbol BAT, R-A. Um, it's B-A-T-R-A. Major League Baseball examining minor league ownership rules at this point in time. And that has him interested in it. Would that increase the value of the AAA and AAA teams if they built a better minor league system that people kind of knew about? I don't know. But there, there you can own a baseball company. You can own Madison Square Garden if you want to own the Knicks, the Rangers, and other entertainment venues around New York. Take symbol MSG. That one might be interesting. That family cannot seem to run basketball. And yet, 
independent groups like Forbes look at the Knicks and say it's worth over $4 billion. The company has only 24 million shares and a billion dollars in net cash. Um, you could see if they spun off some of their entertainment businesses or maybe got a winning GM for their basketball. There could be a lot of value in that stock. And I like that. Madison Square Garden is leading live entertainment venue operator in the world. Um, MSG is building what's called the Sphere, which is a performance center in Las Vegas. Uh, they're duplicating that business in London as well. So I like Mario Gabelli. Some news that came out that I don't know a lot about, but the market's rallying big. And I should I should talk about this a little bit more than I am. Um, in this case, the market's having a positive response for the third day to upbeat data. There's news that there are some drugs that seem to be fighting the corona. Asian influenza. Um, it's the first I've seen that called the Asian influ or the Asian flu since whoa another financial crisis way back in the books. So unverified reports of treatments that could be effective in the Wuhan virus that has stricken China and spread to other parts of the globe. Sky News today has reported that UK researchers had made progress in lab tests towards a vaccine. The virus is very similar to SARS, or Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome. But a research team claimed to identify a cocktail of drugs, namely Abidol and Durinavir, that has thus far proven effective at stanching the virus in infected patients. That sounds good. Is it good enough to push the markets to all-time highs? That's kind of what we're dealing with right now. So... Trump didn't do a lot of talk last night, in my opinion, on the economy. A lot of his speech centered on accomplishments. It is a situation where I have to watch politics in large part. um, Because if they do work together, I want to know about it. But not a lot of policy updates. On 2020 and beyond, it was more of what's happened so far. So Mark Cuban is always interested to me, and he's got a big following with millennials. He's worth about $4.1 billion, and a lot of that is heavily tied into his basketball team. One of his... Quotes, he just spoke at the South by Southwest, uh, Southwest Interactive Festival at South by Southwest. It's a little bit confusing to say out loud. He said, no one had high hopes for me, but I was a hustler. In his 20s, he was sleeping on the floor of a three-bedroom Dallas apartment with six guys. I had one towel that I stole from a hotel that had holes in it. There were times when I came home, the lights were turned off, I had my credit cards cut, you name it. It's nice to see someone worth $4.1 billion did go through some struggle. And he got through hard times. He couldn't even have enough money to have a bank account, he said. There was a $200 minimum. So when he gives advice on financing cars or buying Christmas presents, 
you know, I steal his line every year where he says, I try to buy anything that I'm going to buy for my house on Black Friday. He's a billionaire, and clearly he's exaggerating a bit. He bought a private plane because what's big on his agenda is to have more time with his family. And he says he can't pay for that. He can't even buy that, per se, but he did. And that brings up the next question of, um, not, I'm not going, going to Kobe Bryant, but where I am going is millennials don't like private planes. They think it's a waste of energy and pollutes the planet. So anyway, <clears throat> I do like very much so Mark Cuban. Just from, let's see what he's doing out there. It's, it's a lot of people think I hate people like um, Jim Cramer. Hate's a very, very strong word, especially as you get older. I dislike his trading mentality that he pushes. I dislike that he was a hedge fund trader, investor, who would call CNBC and lie to them to make his stocks more appear to be winners and losers. All things that he's, he's disclosed in books before. I just don't think the average listener or viewer out there should be day trading stocks. That's my opinion. I'm sticking to it. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Disney had a pretty spectacular quarter. Um, but when you listen to their conference call, a lot of what Disney was saying was really talking about next year. Or the year after that. Trying to build in some time to digest a pretty crazy year. They do have some coronavirus exposure to Asia. They've shut down parks. And that is going to hit operating income of $250 million. To them, that's a, spl- a splash in the bucket. They're not stressed by that. Um, it's not a splash in the bucket. It's a pretty nice splash, if you know what I'm saying. Big event coming up right around the corner. Thursday evening, tomorrow evening in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. All about income and retirement. You can sign up for the event by going to Rob Black Show, Twitter. Well, go to Rob Black Show and sign up for the event at Elks Lodge. Use code RADIO25 and listen to commercials for more information. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Little Billie Eilish bringing us in. Boy, she's having a good 2020 so far. Winning record and artist of the year. Let's take a look at the stock market, and it's having an interesting year. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare to talk about the stock market, not about Billie Eilish. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Robin, doing well. Good to be back with you. Life at briefing.com. It, it, it carries on and on and on. The market continues to unfold and tell its story. It seems to be putting the coronavirus behind us. I'll let you talk a little bit about what the market is doing, because um, I haven't heard from you in a while, and it's good to have you back. Sure. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you did sum it up well there. I think if you look um, at how the market has certainly reacted this week, it's, uh, you know, digested the, the scare it had last week as, uh, you know, there were growing reports of the coronavirus spreading. Um, but just looking at it objectively as a stock market analyst, uh, you can tell in the price action that the market itself is is reached this conclusion based on what it knows now uh, that it's not fearing any uh, lasting economic impact from the spread of the coronavirus. Uh, I think it's been 
helped in that regard somewhat by the realization that uh, the U.S. itself still remains relatively immune from the effects of the coronavirus. I mean, you only have really about a handful of cases that have been reported, certainly no deaths yet in the United States. Um, but been strong outperformance from the cyclical sectors. You've seen a very sharp rebound in a lot of those travel-related names um, that you know got hit the hardest when the uh, coronavirus news first hit. And uh, you know, yesterday was very interesting. I think you know, as it regard in terms of how the market is looking at this coronavirus issue, when you take into account the news that Macau asked or uh, basically told the casinos there to suspend their operations for two weeks, and yet you had both wind resorts and Las Vegas Sands up something like four, five, six percent on the day. So, um, you know, so it was a, a telltale sign, really, that uh, for the time being, anyway, this market seems resolute in this idea that uh, while the coronavirus itself may be a long-standing public health emergency, it's not expected to be a, uh, a material economic emergency for anything beyond the short term. I strangely love that. Wall Street has a wall of worry, and this one created a, I think, from top to bottom, a 3% pullback, and then it jumped right over that wall of worry. Not much of a pullback. Um, Let's change the topic and maybe switch to Donald Trump in the State of the Union, or do you want to hit earnings season? Oh, go ahead. Well, if I could just come back to one thing, you know, I think, and and it jogged my memory when you said what you just said, but, you know, what you had coincident with the stock market kind of like coming back around to the idea that it isn't going to be too bothered by the coronavirus issue is that it was accompanied by the realization that China is about ready to unleash more stimulus, right, in the form of lower rates and, uh, and fiscal stimulus. And, you know, as we've seen time and time again, uh, the stock market here in the United States and really around the world, you know, love this idea of, of uh, you know, fiscal and monetary stimulus being the ultimate policy put. And so it continues to trade without any really abject fear of anything going bad for very long. And so it's going to trade right through some of these concerns, and that's what it's continuing to do. So, so let's see. I'm sorry to interrupt, so I can continue here with, with uh, what you're talking about in terms of the, the State of the Union address. You know, was um, uh, you know great political theater. Um, pretty much a non-event, though, as I think as it relates to having any uh, you know significant effect for for the uh, for the markets today. It's interesting because years ago, that State of the Union might have said, "Hey, infrastructure project," or it might have said, "A trillion is going to go into the space wars." But this one, not too much. How about earnings season? Backdrop of all this. Um, Pretty good, all things considered, statistically speaking. Yeah, you know, it's, it, it is panning out um, close to usual here. You know, you have more companies obviously beating expectations than not. Uh, and one of the things that we've seen as it relates to the fourth quarter uh, uh, blended earnings growth estimate uh, is that it's turned positive now, very slightly according to FactSet. But now uh, it looks like with the numbers that have been reported, uh, measured against the ones that have yet to be reported, um, uh, EPS growth in the fourth quarter is looking to be up about one-tenth of one percent, right? So not a lot to cheer for in an absolute sense, but in a relative sense, it beats the you know expected decline coming into the reporting period of about two and a half percent or so. Uh, and it 
and it uh, is going to interrupt a string of uh, you know consecutive uh, quarterly declines that we saw throughout 2019. So so that's good, but really you know the market is is focused on uh, on 2020, and and what's going on here is that it recognizes that first quarter estimates are going to be at risk uh, to downward revision, obviously because of the coronavirus coronavirus issue. Um, but again, uh, the market is still keeping its eye on the prize, and that being an acceleration in earnings growth as the year carries on, um, knowing that um, or, or sensing anyway that the coronavirus issue should be a short-term uh, factor. Changing gears um, at some of the other data out there, Disney and Nike obviously have big Asian exposure, um, but they reported numbers and they kind of are the kind of old-fashioned Disney and Nike type of quarters, solid, um, predictable, good. Wall Street rewards them, so it's kind of nice to see. Um, business is really carrying on, isn't it, Mr. O'Hare? Like um, with the whole coronavirus, is it's, it's being contained in our heads and in our lives and our economy i'm not sure if i'm putting together a sentence or a thought or an an idea um but it's nice to see yeah well well it is and i think you know the 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 main issue what would really hit the u.s stock market would as it relates to the coronavirus is if it ultimately led to this nesting effect that you're seeing take root in china you know where you're People aren't going out uh, to public places out of fear of contracting the virus, and uh, and that would be a real issue because obviously the U.S. consumer is uh, is key to underpinning U.S. economic growth. And if you saw a retrenchment in consumer spending, you would very clearly see uh, a, you know a sharp downward revision to earnings estimates. Upon which uh, you know this this high valuation is being ra- rationalized right now because it's it's basically predicated on the idea that. Uh, um, earnings will come through in 2020 in the uh, strong growth manner that's uh, that's embedded in that high P multiple for the for the S and P 500 right now. So, um, so that but that's not happening, right? And that's kind of you know I said that the markets seen, or the U S seems relatively immune at this point, and therefore the market seems relatively immune itself to to fearing this coronavirus. Uh, and it's now um, you know looking at it again as a short term phenomenon and 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 resting on the understanding that you know. We've been through periods like this before with, you know, SARS and Ebola, uh, and uh, while you have kind of some of these, you know, medically induced uh, drop-offs, uh, you always get a full recovery uh, over time. And so, I don't think you have, um, you know, a market that's living in fear right now of of uh, the increasing spread of the coronavirus, even though it seems to be increasing pretty rapidly, uh, certainly in uh, in China and. Uh, you know, and has that potential to become something bigger, but it's not in the data yet as it relates to uh, key U.S. economic data. And so, again, the market's trading with what it knows, and what it knows is that there's not an impact here yet. And you also have uh, China, which is going to be introducing new stimulus, and so that tends to be a pretty good combination uh, when, you, again, you also pit it against um, low interest rates here in the United States. I know you follow the political situation in your writings for briefing.com. I read and start every day with Patrick O'Hare's daily start of the day. Um, Gosh, I'm having trouble with words today. The jobs report was pretty solid. And that seems to be the narrative right now. If we have jobs, we can kind of like work with the Fed. If we have jobs, we can say we're going to work. SARS isn't bringing us down or 
uh, coronavirus isn't bringing us down. The jobs report is kind of underlying Trump's narrative of a blazing economy. Would you refer to us as in a blazing economy? No, um, you can't. Uh, I mean, if you look at just in terms of where GDP is, right, you're running around two percent uh, or so, and I mean, and that's okay, but it's not. It's not blazing. Uh, you do have a job market that's doing quite well, though, and that is really important because, you know, as we talked about, the consumer is the linchpin to U.S. economic growth, and a consumer which is underpinned by the idea that they have job security and income growth potential is going to keep spending, and that's going to keep driving uh, growth, and, and will keep this uh, U.S. economy in an expansion mode. And so, so that's an encouraging consideration, but, uh, but obviously just in terms of the objective data you see in the GDP report, I mean, we're not blazing, uh, we're not delivering blazing growth here. <laughs> So it's page one that I start my day with every day with Patrick O'Hare. You can find him at briefing.com. That's briefing.com. Thanks, Mr. O'Hare. And I'll talk to you next week about the markets. And we can cover everything from the coronavirus to Disney to Royal Caribbean. He covers it all. He helps uh, review the employment change report this morning, being better than expected. Um, we got nice numbers. There's a nice backdrop to the market right now. What's, again, surreal is the 10-year Treasury note. It began the week at 1.52%. Now it's at 1.65%. There was a big fear to the point that someone in my television crew in the morning, one of the floor directors, was said, when should I refinance my mortgage? I'm like, today, not tomorrow, today. Um, because the 10-year dropped so rapidly to 1.5. And although it didn't hold there for very long, it shows you that there's, sometimes there's opportunities in crisis. Sometimes there's strength in the weakness that you can find. And that was one area. Big seminar coming up February 6th, Palo Alto Elks Lodge, Income and Retirement. This is you. If you're approaching retirement and you have questions, you can learn more by going to Rob Black's show. Sign up for the event using code radio 25 and listen to commercials for more information. Thursday, February 6th, Palo Alto. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. One of the things I like to talk about are unintended consequences. I was watching, I want to say, a football game a couple days ago. What was it? The Super Bowl? (laughs) And on comes a commercial for Japan. Because they want tourists to continue to come, even though there is a virus in a country really close to them that's scaring a lot of people from traveling. That's kind of an unintended consequence. Always interesting to watch. Uh, interesting to talk to. CFP Chad Burton, newfocusfinancial.com. You're going to be doing an event Thursday night at the Elks Lodge, income and retirement, um, and much, much more. What are some of the goals for the seminar, Mr. Burton? Well, a lot of it is just pointing out the risks of the retirement. Um, There's a lot of really good things when it comes to retiring these days. But the risks that people don't think about are how low interest rates affect what you should be projecting in terms of how much your portfolio is going to grow by versus how much you're going to withdraw from it and and inflation. So the risks are low rates. We have demographics of an aging population putting strains on Social Security and health care. Um, and we have taxes that are extremely low now, but they're likely going to go up in the future because of demographics and the need for health care. 
So it kind of all works together, right? So the goal is to give some clarity on cash flow, which means you have to learn how much retirement it, it costs. There's your daily expenses, but there's what are you going to do? There's taxes, there's health care, and then there's the IRA tax trap, which means people put off paying taxes forever on their 401ks and their IRAs, but starting now at age 72, they have to start pulling money out. How does that affect your tax bracket, especially if taxes are going to go up at you know 2026 or if not earlier? Okay. Um, anytime you say it's a trap, I think of Admiral Akbar from Star Wars. I got marbles in my mouth today. Um, big seminar this Thursday. That's tomorrow in Palo Alto Elks Lodge. Great location, easy parking. It's a good time to do it, especially with all the drama at the start of the year to start thinking about the next year because the years move by fast. People can sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. Now, when you talk about clarity on cash flow, I'm going to be honest here, Chad, and I think I'm like a lot of people. I'm not that clear on what I'm spending my money on. I know that I have enough. I know that I'm not bouncing checks at the end of the month. But cash flow, what do you mean by that? Our financial planning reports break down cash flow in two pieces. One is a chart, because some people really like to visualize things in terms of a chart. You know, here's a here's your portfolio growth um, minus your withdrawals, and you know, here's your income needs, and you know, where do those lines cross? When when is the when is the danger zone going to happen for you? Um, I like to see columns of actual numbers. That's how I learn and process. So it depends on how you need to look at it, but you have to have some clarity. You need to see what you're spending now and in the future. You need to see how that increases over time with inflation. Um, You need to run that side-by-side with all of your other expenses and income sources and then show that coming out of your portfolio and what does your portfolio look like over time. Because maybe you have real estate and you have a portfolio. At some point, because of inflation, you might need to start selling some of your properties in order to replenish your liquid assets. You need to visualize that and see when. So you can start years in advance on making decisions on when you plan for that sale, because that sale will cause potentially taxes, could potentially cause an increase in Medicare premiums, but it it also replenish your safe money. Um, so you need to be able to visualize your expenses, inflation, your portfolio, how much safe money you need. It all comes into play in your financial plan. So you can't really make that decision on do you have enough money to retire until you, you really see it on paper. And then you test it with different tools like Monte Carlo simulations, which can seriously give you a potential success rate in how you've set up your financial plan and, <clears throat> and your investments. You know, Is it enough to deal with volatility and the uncertainty of when good market returns come versus when bad market returns come. Sounds about right. Again, people can go to newfocusfinancial.com, newfocusfinancial.com. There's a lot of good downloads, blogs, and you can sign up for the event there tomorrow night in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. What are you going to cover in terms of safe money? Because, you know, when you're talking about low interest rates and how it affects draw rates, but low interest rates also affect savings, right? Um, Safe money. I always felt bad for old people when interest rates drop. Well, it's also harder when we get in points in time. I remember this in 2006. When we get in points in time where the market's doing so well, like it did last year, it's harder to actually keep people in the right amount of safe money because they look at their rate of return. And right now, you know, the FDIC online insured money markets. Um, 
you know, 1.7% is about what people are earning on their cash. And, and they're like, oh, that's kind of tough to take when, you know, I used to earn four or five in my savings account. Um, so it's harder to get people to, to save the right amount. But 2006 is a perfect example. Everybody wanted to forget about their safe money and invest it all in stocks because it was a new economy. And then we had one of the deepest recessions in our history. So if you would have kept your safe money and you would have had enough dividends from your stocks and interest from your bonds, you would have never had to sell between 2007 and 2009. You wouldn't even have had to sell for a couple more years until the market started to recover. And it's having to sell, being forced to sell out of either necessity to pay expenses or fear that causes the long-term investing mistake. So we cover how you set things up so you don't end up in that situation. Sounds about good. Is there anything else that we need to hit CFP, Chad Burton, before we wrap up the segment? Um, yeah, just how do you keep taxes low? You have different types of money in retirement. Okay. You have your stocks. You have, um, you know, in your regular accounts, and you have your retirement accounts, your IRAs, you have your Roth IRAs. How do you blend different sources to keep your taxes really low for the 35 to 50 years that you may be retired? Real quick answer. I want a yes or no. Have you ever seen anyone financially devastate themselves by a bad tax strategy in retirement, like selling all their stock at once? Oh, absolutely. I mean, people that sold in 2007, they never got back in. And the market's blown well past where they sold, and they just never did anything about it. So they turned, you know, they thought they were smart, and now they're behind by 300%, and they're never going to catch up. You can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. You can meet him tomorrow in Palo Alto, 630 to 8. A lot of good information at newfocusfinancial.com. It's at the Elks Lodge tomorrow night. Use code RADIO25 if you're new to the event. 